We've been coming into a time of where we're speaking about foundations. And foundations is there, like we said, it's there to make sure that the house stands, that as the shaking comes, as the world comes, that our house stand, and that we've got a foundation that we can build on. But it's important to look at our foundation and test our foundation and see whether it's, it's actually the right foundation. So we've been over the last couple of weeks on Sundays and on Wednesdays been working through Christian foundations. And last week we, um, we on last week Wednesday we spoke about um, baptism. And it's amazing to see that there's a couple of people that really felt like something of the Lord coming and then working in their hearts and willing to say, like, I want to get baptized. And um, that to me is proof that God is working in us. Amen. And last Sunday, I, approached, uh, I preached about li- life, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's like our lives that we live is lived in Christ. It's for Him. And basically, baptism is that place of where we're saying we're repenting to our own ways and our own life and our own decisions and our own desires. We're repenting and saying, Lord, like we don't want this. We realize this leads to death. This cannot bring life. I cannot save myself, but I am now, so I'm repenting and I'm renouncing this life that I lived and I'm announcing the life to live a life in Christ. Like baptism is that symbol um, or symbolism of saying, I now stand with Christ. And the life that I live now, I live in Christ and for Christ and with Christ. It's no longer I who live. The Rian that lived, he died. As I went into the, into the water, I died. I was buried and I was born again as I came up out of the, the water. I'm born again. It's symbolism. Okay? So symbolism. Remember that. It did it like, but in the same time, it's a spiritual reality. And so I repent, I renounce my life, and I announce the new life that I now live with Jesus. And we spoke about that, and on Wednesday we went through what the repenting and the renouncing of the renouncing of the things that I'm busy with, and then baptism is now that declaration, and I I need to now move forward with my life, but my life in Christ, and my life in Christ means it's no longer Rian, and what Rian wants, and what Rian desires, what Rian thinks is good, no, 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 it's actually like, I need to live from what Jesus thinks is good, what Jesus thinks is life, what Jesus thinks is wise. And I find that in Scripture. And I find that in the counsel of people that I can see like there's proof of the Spirit of God working in their lives. And so I live in that place of where my life that I live is to glorify Him and to present and, and, and um, reflect Him in everything that I do. And so, today, I kind of want to kick off there, where we are now, we've now said and told you what it looks like, and some of us has made decisions, and I know there's many people here that got baptized, and this afternoon, or after the service, we're going to baptize three more people, and I'm trusting for even more, um, that as I'm speaking, but I want to kick off there in that life, and living with Christ, living for Christ, what that means. And so this morning, my, um, 
My title for this morning is Formed and Fashioned. Because I believe we're being formed into looking like Jesus, and we're being fashioned into, into um, being someone or a vessel that carries His glory and that examples and reflects Him wherever we go. That is the point of the life that we live here. That we get to look like Him, that we get to carry Him, that we get to be Him to a world out there that is void of Him. That doesn't know what love is. That doesn't know what forgiveness is. That doesn't know what grace and mercy is. It's a world that is caught up in selfish desires and self-gain. And we are meant to be those that go into this world and show something different. Because Jesus is very different than anything and everything else in this world. I'm going to start us off with the scripture in Romans 8. Verse 28, and it says this, and I know many of us know the scripture, um, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Amen? How many times have that scripture, have you encouraged yourself with that scripture, um, and you put it in your Facebook and your WhatsApp status, and it's like, man, when things go bad, like God works all things together for the good. And when somebody hurts us, like don't worry, God works all things together for the good for those who love Him. And it's actually like a, a little bit of a knife in those that hurt you. God works to get, all things to work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You hear that? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so for me and for you, yes, God works all things to the good. But the good is not, I've got, uh, I don't need to bully beef, I need to eat only ribeye steak or wagyu steak. No, it's it's not physical good. The good is this. The good is the fact that he's working out and conforming and transforming you to look like Jesus. That is the good. And if you look at that, you go, really, Rian, is that really good? I want to say to you, there's nothing better in this life than looking like Jesus. And so the good that he works into us is for me and for you to look like him, his son. There's a song of a guy called Kevin Prosh, Lily of the Valley, beautiful song. I love the song. And he sings, he says, Lily of the Valley, bright and morning star, fairest of ten thousands. It's like when God, when the Father looks at Jesus, he sees nothing but beauty. He sees his son. He sees the one who he's well pleased in. And he's like, this one, this is the one. And he looks at Jesus and he, as he looks at Jesus, he's going, I, I want to exalt you above all things. I want to glorify you above all things and all names. And so the father has taken Jesus and he said that he gave him the seat. It's a name above all names the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings. That is who Jesus is to God. So when God comes and says, hey, I want to work in you. All things for your, the good that I want to work into you. So I want you to look like my son. 
I want you to carry his beauty. I want you to example him. I want you to reflect him. For those, for, the, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. How beautiful is that? He wants us to look like Jesus and be counted as Jesus' brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And to those whom he called, he also justified. And to those whom he justified, he also glorified. The interesting thing is, um, don't know how it works, but the longer a couple is married, the more they kind of like look like one another. Have you, have you recognized that? Hey? <laughs> Some wives are going like, no way. <laughs> Husbands are too happy to go like, yes, yes. <laughs> like Helen and myself, we sometimes find ourselves like, I would be going to a meeting and she come later with the kids because I oftentimes have to be earlier and then she gets to church or gets there and we, we look at one another and we realize, oh, we have got exactly the same color scheme. It's like we're wearing team wear, you know. You used to get, I think in the 90s, you used to get those um, track suits, that, that, that funny material. And so couples would wear track suits that are looking like exactly the same. And that always boggled my mind. <laughs> it's like, what were you thinking? <laughs> um, anyway, but it happens to us. Because it's the person that we spend time with. It's a person that we get to know. And what I like before I got married versus what I like right now is 100% being influenced by my relationship with Helen. I almost say Jesus. That as well. But <laughs> Helen. Now, I want to say this. Before I, before I met Helen, I was your typical Afrikaans boy that um, ate certain things and certain things he didn't even look at. Okay? And so I was like rice flace artapples. That's it. Okay, don't don't come. Like if you want to give me any salad, give me chicken. Okay, like that cow or that buck ate enough grass for the both of us. And so he can eat the grass. I'll eat him. Okay. And um, Helen, on the other hand, she's the person that comes and she will buy when she was we, we were still dating. And so she would, for like a lunch or something, she would actually like just take a bowl of frozen peas and that would be her lunch. And I was like, yo, <sighs> never. <laughs> like still never, okay? I now eat broccoli and I eat salad. Not because I want to, <laughs> but because it's my wife, <laughs> I so said, there's things that change in me because I'm with her. But there's things in her that changes because she's with me. <laughs> when you go walking in Seapoint, you often see these um, people, I'm sure they're here in our area as well, but 
you see often see people that like taking their dogs out for a walk. Okay, you wonder who's the master, who's the slave. But taking their dogs and stuff out for a walk, and then as they're going for a walk, you go like, how did you choose that dog? Did you look at yourself and go like, I want a dog that looks like me? Because oftentimes you find people, they look a lot like their dog or their animal. It's like there's something about it. Now, I'm not going to make a blanket statement here at all. I'm just saying look, look out for it a bit, okay? But it's, it's, it's something that, that the more we spend time with something, it's like there's something that happens. There's a transference that happens. What you behold is what you become. And so if that could be for us in a natural sense, how much more would that be for us in a spiritual sense? See, we think of ourselves, and you've heard this thing being said, but as natural beings having a supernatural experience. But that would be a mistake. We're actually spiritual beings having a natural experience. Your life is like maybe 80 years here on earth. But life carries on after this. Eternal life. And that's still, that's still going to be there. And so in a spiritual sense, if it's true what's happening in the natural, then in the spiritual, it's something that's so much more truer and so much more pivotal for me and for you. To make sure that what we spend our time on, what we spend this experience, our natural experience on, can't be for this life. It needs to be towards the next. It needs to be towards that spiritual side of me for that to be formed. And the awesome thing is this, is that God wants this. I want to say to you, if you think for one moment that God is turned towards you and that He wants to make life as difficult as possible for you, I want to say to you, you're not serving Jesus and the God of the Bible that I'm reading. From what I can see in the Bible and through Scripture is that God wants everything. He's done everything so that me and you can be with Him. And it's time that we actually start believing it. See, we read him through our lens as natural beings instead of trying to understand him as spiritual beings. I believe the heart of God is this for us. That we become like Jesus. That we look like Him. That we smell like Him. That we talk like Him. That we live like Him. That we respond to life like Him. There used to be this thing, this little band that you would wear, um, that would say, what would Jesus do? And the purpose of that was not to show everybody, look, I'm a Christian. 
Now, the purpose of that was for the Christian to go that when I'm in a situation and somebody's threatening me or hurting me or whatever, if I'm in a difficult situation, that the first thing that I think about is not what I would want to do that comes naturally. No, no, no. That the first thing that I do is that I get, that I see this and I go, what would Jesus do? And so before I react, I think, I pause, I, I stop. No, I'm not giving into my flesh, but that there's something in me that goes, what would Jesus do? And in that moment, to respond. So often that I see Christians that find a way to justify the way they respond to things that looks nothing like Jesus, but they made it like it's the right thing to do. (laughs) We need to get the truth out. And instead of where the Bible tells us to turn the other cheek, we try and make sure we get both cheeks of our enemy. And we respond in ways that actually doesn't carry his nature, doesn't carry his heart, doesn't carry his love, who he is. We make it like this is the Christian thing to do. I need to tell the truth. I need to tell you how bad Harry is. Because he's hurt me. And he's going to hurt other people. And so I'm going to tell you like he's really a bad guy. If we go look in the Gospels and we go look at who Jesus was, you realize Jesus really did not do anything wrong. But at the same time, people were saying to him, Jesus, you're this, you're that, you're doing that wrong. You do. And he never for one moment came and said, Hey guys, do you have any proof of this? Do you have any proof of what I've done wrong? Where is the person that I've hurt? Come and just bring me one. I mean, it would be totally in his, um, in his right to at least say, give me the proof of the things that you say that I've done. Well, <laughs> but even that he didn't do. He didn't even attempt for one moment to protect himself. For one moment to say to someone that he is not who they say that he is. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, he just gave over and said, look, if that's what you're going to say, then okay. I mean, in our life in today, if that's what we do, we would tell people, look, that's foolish. Just, just, you know, you can protect yourself. You know, here's the legal roots, here's your human rights, here's your... People can't treat you like that. And here people treat the Son of God, the ruler of everything created. They treat him like he's a rag. And not for one moment does he even wink at, I've got the power to change all of this. He just gives himself himself over. So when you talk about self-control, when you talk about patience, when you talk about gentleness... So when I'm in a situation, and I've got to ask myself, what would Jesus do? 
They're like, whoa, this bar is high. Two Corinthians 3 verse 17 says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Me and you are on a journey, and we have this opportunity that since before Jesus, or up to the point of where Jesus went to the cross, died, and rose up out of the grave, there has not been an opportunity for believers to be in front of God with unveiled faces. No, they couldn't handle it. And so even Moses, which is referring to them, Moses had a veil around his, over his face. Because as he met with God, there was something of a shining on his face, and that shining on his face would eventually fade. And he would have to go back. But now we're sitting in a place of where there's no need for just one man. There's no need for just a Moses. No, no, no. That has been paid. Jesus made the way. We've spoken about this. Like he's paved the way. He, he was the propitiation for our sins. He's the one that paid the price that is meant for me and you to be able to be with God, to love God, to be in the presence of God, to know God. He's made the way. And now he's brought us into this place where the way is clear, where me and you can come to God, where we can get to know God just like Moses. Not having something covering our face. Because the glory that we are part of now is not a glory that's going to fade again. No, no, no. It's eternal life. It's a glory that reaches into eternity. And the heart of God is this, that me and you be changed and transformed and conformed to the image and the likeness of His Son every single day. That we look like Him, that we smell like Him. But the thing is, we're on a journey. We're on a journey of changing. And oftentimes where we trip ourselves up and where we trip up other believers is, and I'm going to make this, this is my analogy of this, is it's like saying to a baby that just got born. It's like looking at this baby and go, being almost angry at this baby for not being able to stand up, walk to the toilet, take a poop in the toilet and go back to its room. No, you've got to pick the baby up. You've got to put it on the changing table. You've got to change its nappy because it can't wipe its own bum. It, it's just saying, go, 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 go. That's a baby's life. Until that baby grows up and then he becomes an adult. And sometimes there's some adults we still need to wipe the bum, hey? <laughs> joking, I'm joking, okay? No, it's like there's a process. There's a growing that needs to happen. 
And oftentimes as Christians, we look at other Christians, and instead of understanding that I'm on a journey, and because I don't understand that I'm on a journey, I don't measure out any journey towards my brother. I don't measure out anything towards them that they are also on a journey. And it might be that they are a little bit younger in their journey. So I get to have grace with them. And I get to be gentle with them. We just judge and we criticize. But we're doing the right thing here, people. I'm just telling you guys what a bad guy Harry is. Sorry, Harry, I'm just using you today. But we don't even understand that we ourselves are on a journey of being formed into the likeness of Jesus, being formed and transformed to look like him. And so there's going to be places where I don't look like him. And I desperately need him to come and change me so that I do look like him. See, we've been changed and transformed from one degree of glory to another. 1 John 3 says this, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. And so what this is saying to us, it's saying that right now we can only see a little bit. But one day when Jesus comes back, we will see all of it. And when we see all of it, we will be completely changed. But until that day, me and you are on a journey. And that journey, part of that journey is for us to bring ourselves under him as his children and into his house and allow his spirit to work in us. And that we allow ourselves to be purified according to who he is and who we come to know him now and see him for now. But one day... And that's the beautiful thing. Those who hope, those who trust in some translations. So it, it's, it's not a, I've, res, I've, I've gotten it and I have it now. No, no, no. It's a continuous. That hope is something that's perpetual. It's not, a, it's not an all-inclusive thing of it's here now and now I have it. No, 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 no. It's like a perpetual thing. It's like I'm, I'm moving in that hope. I'm growing in that hope of him who is coming, of him who is changing in me, of him who is purifying me. It's a moving forward. I'm on a journey. You are on a journey. But some of us here are actually standing still. We're not allowing God to take us on that journey. We're not allowing the gospel to have its work out in us. We gave our life to Jesus and now we think, like, okay, cool, this is now it. I'm, I'm, I'm good. In this week, I came to a moment of where just like, Lord, I need your gospel to be at work in me. Because I can so easily just think I know how he works, I know what he wants, 
I know what Scripture says. I know what I think my life is about and how I'm sacrificing and how I'm living my life. I can so easily puff myself up and go, I'm doing everything okay. But yet, completely miss who he is and where, what he's about. And so I'm coming to God. I'm saying, God, I need your gospel to be working out in me still now. I need you to save me and my life and my thinking and my desires, God. I need you to save me from those things still today. Because the more I see him, the more I realize, man, Leon, you're rotten. And please, when you hear me say that, don't, like... I'm not dealing in drugs or anything like that. Like, that's easy to, to diagnose. It's the things in our heart that's not so easy to diagnose. And unless we're willing to be able to say, like, God, I'm on a journey. I don't see you fully yet. I'm not fully perfected yet in your image. I don't fully look like Jesus yet. God, until we get to that place, we need to be coming to God and say, God, let your gospel be working out in me because I'm on a journey, God. I need you to work in me that I can become like your son, that I can show him his nature, his, his love, his gentleness, his mercy. Because so easily, it's, form, it's like someone does something wrong and you just want to administrate to them judgment. Where Jesus, regardless of what was done, showed mercy, showed love. Showed gentleness, showed forgiveness, gives grace. So, a question to us this morning Is your life still being grasped by the gospel? Were you sitting here this morning? Is the gospel of Jesus still working out in you? Still changing, still killing off things that is you and not him. And that's what I'm saying to us today. That if we can understand that we are in a journey with God... And that he's working out in us to look like him. When we go back to the scripture in Romans, it says he works out all things good for those who loves, whom loves him and follows him. Then that scripture makes perfect sense. It takes away all the confusion I could have possibly previously had of everything just needs to go well with me. Because now even in bad things happening, what's being worked into me is to look like Jesus. When troubled times come, what's being worked into me is to look like Jesus. When fortune and good times come, they come not so that I can have a good time. They come so that Jesus can be formed inside of me. And so that's the life that we live now. To live is Christ. 
to look like him, to smell like him, to talk like him, to live is Christ. I'm in him and he is being worked out in me. That is the goodness of God. Brings us to this place. And we need to oh, go, okay, Lord. So then how, what does it look like to become like you? What does it look like to become like him, to live for him? Amen? And there's a picture in Galatians 5 that shows us what this looks like. And you would have heard me speak about it a little bit. One of the first things we need to look like him is his spirit. Like I cannot walk this life without his spirit. So I need his spirit. But now, Galatians 5, 22, probably many of us, all of us can say this off without us having to put it on the board. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It means measure them out in the fullest. You cannot measure them out enough. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Do you know what conceited means? It means proud. Proudful of one's self, proudful of one's abilities, vain, proud of your own achievements. It means that in my walking with Jesus, if His Spirit is truly working out in me, I never come to a place of where I go like, Hoo-hoo, the man of God has arrived. Amen. No, it means Jesus. I need you. I need you. I'm a man. I've got flesh. I've got desires. I need you. What follows conceit is this place of where we look at one another and think, yo, look at my life. Look at all the things that I have done, that I've sacrificed. And look at Harry, man. He's got this and this wrong with his life. Why do people love Harry more? No, 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 no. I need to tell them who he is. I can guarantee you, because I know it's in my heart. I know I've had to deal with it. It feels like time and time again, and I'm still dealing with it and always trying to cut that thing down. But I know that if there's one thing that's in all of us, it's that thing. We're so proudful of ourselves. We think we know everything. See, but sometimes God will bring a young Afrikaans, 
poster with piercings and tattoos and doesn't even speak proper language, English. And he will bring him straight to you. Do you in a sense offend and tick every box that you would go like, I'm better than him? Just so that you can see, actually, it's not about you. It's about Jesus being worked into you. And you being worked out of you. It's in this place where I see in so many of us and in myself at a time where we look at Christianity and we look at following God. We think the success of God and the success of the gospel inside of us is me being able to come to those who are sick. I go, who is sick? Let me pray for you and God will heal you. Hey, who's dead? Let me pray for you and God will raise you. Hey, let me speak to that demon. I will tell him out. We think that's the success of following Christ. It is not, people, friends, brothers. It's not. The gospel being worked out in us is love. When everybody hates you. It's joy. When everything is going wrong and you're paining. It's peace. In a place where someone is standing with a gun or a knife or a letter of firing you or being unfair. It's patience. With those friends and those family members and those other church people that are going and, and constantly make, bumping their heads, doing the wrong thing, not listening. Your, your children, your husband, your wife. Patience. It's kindness. Being able to show kindness in a place where all you've been shown is animosity. It's goodness. Giving even though you know you have nothing. But counting your brother whether he's a Philistine or not. Looking at them and counting them higher than yourself. And saying, here, it's faithfulness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. Standing in a place of where everything and everyone around you is choosing the easy way out. Because they don't want to get hurt. Because they don't want to whatever happen. You're going, I'm going to apply self-control. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in to this emotion. I'm not going to give in to this desire. I'm not going to protect myself. I'm not going to... No, no. Jesus is life. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That is the success of the gospel. Those things, love, peace, joy, kindness, humility, self-control, gentleness. It's the kingdom currency that God works with. 
And the beautiful thing about that is, is that that's where God works and wants to work. It's what he gives his power towards. He doesn't give his power to people that are not those things. That are conceited. It looks like it, but I want to tell you today, it's not like it. And one day when we see him, we will see for true who was those that truly lived in Christ. (laughs) The power and the goodness and the provision of God is in that place. It's in that place of where we're being transformed into his likeness. Not where we do these things that we think this is Christianity. It's interesting. In thinking about this, a scripture came to mind of where it tells us that if you say that you love God, you cannot hate your brother. You can't hate your brother and say that you love God at the same time because then the love of God is not inside of you. Now, if you think of that, you realize if the kingdom of God is in you and if you are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, then hate is something that cannot be there. It's something that cannot be worked out. You can't have love and hate in the same body. It's either going to be one of these two. And so we've got to realize that that is what we've got to face ourselves with and go, what is my life looking like? What is my foundation? What is it looking like? Am I holding a wrong towards Harry for something he did, whether he knew it or didn't know it? Is there a wrong in my heart that I'm holding towards him? And I go, I cannot love him because he didn't respond to my message. Or he kicked over my glass of Coke. And then we hold these things in in our hearts. And in that place where we hold it in our hearts, We think we are righteous because, man, Harry, that's not what Christians do. No, dear. What you are doing is not what Jesus is doing. Jesus died for the same people that crucified him. Jesus died for the very people that crucified him. So what are we meant to do then? How are we meant to live then? Church, I want to say to us this. We are called, me and you, we are called to live like Him. We are called to be transformed according to Him. That's it. All the other things, whether you've got a teaching gift or a prophecy or whatever it is, those things are second. Everything else is second to you and me looking like Jesus.